Welcome to the O-Shift for Teens podcast, a show where I team up with a thought leader and we discuss a new topic question that will help you better understand your teens. I'm your host, Mark Tucker, co-author of O-Shift for Teens and its accompanying workshop kit and curriculum. This super easy to facilitate, life-changing material is being used by folks just like you throughout the United States and beyond. Head to OShift.com and choose one of the many ways you can become involved in this worldwide movement. Well, I hope your winter is going well. If you're like me, you're thinking, please, spring, get here soon. And uh, I can finally thaw out. So glad that you can join me today. I had a conversation just a little bit ago with Mel Richardson. Mel, as you will find out, is involved, involved with prevention programs around alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs for teens. We have a really interesting conversation. Now, many of us as parents or people that work with teens, this is a, this is a big issue. Uh, we think about it a lot. Uh, we sort of dread when it will finally be something we have to deal with with our kids. And, you know, usually there comes a point where we do have to deal with it. So I think that this is a conversation that all of us really can benefit from. And Mel has so many great points to make. So let's get to that right now, my conversation with Mel Richardson. My guest today is Mel Richardson. Mel Richardson is the project coordinator for the Council for Drug-Free Youth in Jefferson City, Missouri. The work she does serves to empower youth to live drug-free and provides a platform for their voices to be heard. Mel is also the director of Uplift. Uplift is a program in which ninth grade students create their own skits about the dangers of alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs, and then present those skits to sixth graders there in Missouri. Mel Richardson, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. How are you, Mark? One thing I did not say, Mel, is that you're the daughter of Dr. Andy Fletcher, a person that I have just the utmost, utmost respect for. Well, I have the utmost, utmost respect for her as well. I am honored to have her as my mother. You know, it really shows because uh, Dr. Fletcher is one of those people that, and of course I've seen her at many conferences and I've had some interaction with her, and she's kind of this Mother Teresa figure who does really great work. She's really just a wonderful, big-time person, really. She does amazing big things, but she's very humble and sweet about it. She really is, and I've, I've never met a person who doesn't like her, and she absolutely does amazing things, and I'm just, it's an honor to be her daughter, like I said, and I'm so proud of her and all of her accomplishments. Yeah, she, she's just amazing. Of course, it was Dr. Fletcher that put me on to you. He had a lot of nice things to say about you and the work that you're doing, and now you Missouri, it looks like. Yes, I'm in Missouri, right? Smack in the middle of the country, actually. <laughs> in uh, helping kids understand the dangers of alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs. Of course, this is always a timely topic. It was when I was a teen. What is it that got you involved? Well, I think what got me involved is in our neck of the woods here in Jefferson City, Missouri, we have a real need for it. There are a lot of problems that we've got here with alcohol um, and other drugs, and um, there are, were really awesome programs that they had in the schools that I wanted to get involved in. And so about 2009, I became a facilitator for some of our programs, um, like COPE, where we work with seventh grade students, TEAM, where we do team building activities with the Missouri National Guard, um, and then baseline for our ninth grade students. So I started facilitating those programs and really getting our message and helping educate kids um, and students 
in, about the dangers of alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs, and we've had really good success with it. And about that same time is when I started directing Uplift, the Underage Prevention Leadership Involvement for Teens program, where, as you said before, our ninth grade students create their own skits that they think are relevant for sixth graders, and they go around to different schools and perform the skits. Then they actually break the students down, the sixth graders, into groups and help the sixth graders come up with their own skits, which they then perform. So it's a really awesome peer-to-peer um, interactive program that we've had great success with. Okay, and, and I want to ask you about that because I alluded to the fact that this, this has always been an issue, you know, alcohol, drugs, uh, mm -hmm. tobacco. It was when we were kids, and we were lured to it. What uh, what are you doing now that is, is that you're finding is more effective than programs maybe in the past? Well, I think right now, especially with Council for Drug for Youth, we're for youth, so we're really providing a platform for students to have their voices heard. A lot of youth do not want to get involved with alcohol or drugs, and I'll tell you why. One very specific reason is because there are a lot of consequences that can come from using drugs. Um, sports, for example, if you play sports and you're, um, you know, caught using drugs or you don't pass the drug test, that can jeopardize that you know, you're playing. Also, yeah. scholarships, going to college. Uh, you, you, I mean, people, you know, students work really hard these days to get good grades and to excel at sports, excel at different things, and so they're not willing to take those risks that we're finding. So we're really trying to focus on helping those kids succeed, and then also by setting a good example, they're letting their peers know that making good choices matter. You know, and I love that. And, and one thing that it feels like has changed a little bit, and uh, what you're talking about is letting them know consequences. Um, other than you're going to get in trouble or, you know, uh, don't do it. If you do it, you're bad. Connecting the kids to actual consequences that affect their own life. And I would take it even to the next step is uh, brain development consequences. Maybe that is one of the things that we're finding more and more that we're less afraid about talking about to the kids in terms of, yeah, they can actually grasp some of these concepts of, you know, sort of the cause and effect situations. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And, you know, right now we're working on passing a local initiative here in Jefferson City to pass the legal purchasing age for tobacco to 21. Um, it's currently obviously 18 here, and we're really trying to push just as much of the country is to have Tobacco 21, in effect, and the reason that we're wanting to have that raised is because it does affect the brain. Tobacco is affecting the brain. Alcohol is affecting the brain. Drugs affect the brain. Of youth, their brains are still developing, and when they put these substances in there, that's affecting the growth of their brain, and that's something that's really, that's a very big consequence to take into consideration. You know, um, it's funny uh, because uh, I know with my own boys, I talk a lot in terms of, you know, I kind of alluded to this a minute ago, is this cause and effect and sort of educating them with really when it comes down to it, it's going to be their decision. But if they're armed with knowledge about what the consequences are, what, what, what's the effect? You know, I can drink caffeine. Caffeine's a drug. You know, I've got a choice to do it. If I drink caffeine at 8 o'clock at night, the consequences, I might stay up all night. I might be awake and not get a good night's sleep. 
it's not a matter of whether it's good or bad. It's the fact that when you use it, this is the consequence to using it. And uh, drugs, of course, and alcohol, and as you just said, tobacco as well. Here, they're trying so hard to do well in school. They study, they do homework, yet do drugs, and it's going to affect your brain development like two steps forward, three steps back. I think, it's, I think it really is fair for us to take that approach with kids. Absolutely, and the fact that, you know, using alcohol and drugs can also lower your IQ. Um, it can affect with, you know, sleeping ha- your sleeping habits. It can lead to depression. All kinds of different effects can happen for this. So I know a lot of students will say, oh, but, you know, drugs make us feel better, or they don't. They're depressants. They make you feel worse. They might momentarily, alcohol might momentarily make you feel better, but in the long run it's not. So we're really looking for trying to get, I think a lot, of, a lot of kids really want to lead healthy lives, and that's actually our mission statement here, is that our vision is to have a healthy, vibrant, drug-free community. And I think a lot of people in this day and age take their health seriously, and part of being healthy is not putting toxic substances into your body. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point, and I think that is that's kind of new, um, as far as you know this this move to health because you t- you hear kids are drinking less soda pop, for example, as well. What do you think it is? And now this is just maybe your opinion, and of course we'll we'll both have on this. What is the lure? Why are these kids smoking as kids? Why are they Why are they getting involved in drinking alcohol as kids? What's the lure? Well, the lure is their peers. I can be honest and say that when I was a teenager, it was my best friend smoked, and when your best friend smokes, well, that's the person you're spending the most time with, so chances are you're going to end up smoking as well, which I did. I am actually right. an ex-smoker, so I, you know, I, I absolutely understand what that's all about. I think that you know, it, is, it is about who you hang out with, and it is about really having a voice and finding a voice to be able to say no to those choices. And that's a very difficult thing because teenagers can be very insecure and not sure about where they fit into the world and and have a lot of insecurities happening. And so they want to feel good. They want to feel like they belong. They want to have a place in the world. And so if you're hanging out with people that are all smoking, the quickest way to feel a part of something is just just to smoke with them. So I think a lot of it is really peer pressure. Um, You know, of course, parents have the biggest impact and they're the you know biggest role models that children have so if they're participating in you know drinking all the time or smoking cigarettes then the chances of the kids participating in those activities are are greater you know you make me remember when i was in high school uh, the first time I found out a couple of my buddies were smoking pot. Now, these were good friends of mine. I can remember my initial reaction was like, I, I was really bummed out about it. I was, you know, I thought, oh, don't do that. I mean, come on, stay with me. I want to have fun. And we're, you know, we're, we're sort of, you know, in that sober reality. But I found that within a year, I was smoking pot too. So I sort of, I sort of went over to their side. So, yeah, for me, I could definitely agree with what you said. Uh, peers are a huge influence to sort of drag you over to that other side. So, and also what you said is, is how to build up the ability for our kids in that moment to be aware enough to say, nah, not for me. I'm good. You know, I'm just going to stay this course. 
And how do you say that to your best friend? I mean, that's a very difficult, that can be a very difficult choice to make. Like someone that you've known your whole life, that you love, that, you know, maybe they're making that choice. Because I think the problem is, you know, marijuana, for example, it can start off where you're smoking marijuana and it's a slow descent. You don't even realize how it takes over your life until the point that you don't care about things that were really important to you. So it's really important for, for our youth to stay away from things like marijuana and alcohol and things that are going to take them away from the goals that they're trying to achieve. And I think that it's, it's very hard to be lured by peers and, and to be able to stand up for that. that. That takes a lot of courage. Yeah, it really does. And I, and I feel like simply sit, sitting down or in, you know, sort of in a natural conversation, really kind of just saying what we just said, saying that this, this sort of thing's going to come up. And I've told my boys, eventually somebody's going to come up to you and offer you alcohol. Somebody's going to, one of your friends are going to offer you marijuana. It's just going to happen eventually. So you've got to be prepared for that. And of course, a lot of research suggests that helping kids with a plan when the situation comes up is instrumental in them being able to deal with it in the moment because kids aren't necessarily equipped to deal with those decisions in a moment to make good choices. And it goes for sex as well. It's just like when this happens, here's what you can do, you know, to get yourself to navigate through that. And uh, that could be very helpful to, to sort of have that conversation. I think a lot of parents and adults that work with teens are afraid to even talk about it because they feel like that if they do, then it's somehow giving them the green light to go ahead and do it. It is, and I think that that's where parents are, are led astray. I think absolutely talking to your children about drugs and alcohol, tobacco, all of it is essential. It's essential for them to know where you stand on it. It's essential for them to have um, an open door to have your to be able to have parents to go to to talk to. I mean, they're they're your people, and when you're a teen, that's a very a time of conflict with your parents, I think. But it's very important, I think, for parents to understand the importance of having an open dialogue about alcohol and drugs and, you know, so that the kids can go to them if, if they are presented with these choices and they need someone to talk to and, and to feel safe that they can, you know. I can remember my dad telling me um, when I was in high school, you get, you know, one, you get a free pass. If you get in a situation where someone you're with is, you know, drinking or taking drugs, you can call me, no questions asked. And, yeah. and, and that moment happened, and I was glad I had that. And I really didn't think he would, he would let it pass, but he did. It went on later that that very same person that I did not get in the car with ended up totaling his car. It's very important that I think that parents do leave that line of communication open for their kids. Very important. It's funny that you say that because the exact story came up in last week's show, and uh, my guest on the show was, was relaying this information. Giving your kid a path, it's tough to do, and the kid's not going to call. They know they're going to get hammered. Um, right. so, so it's a challenge. So let me ask you, you, know, you talk about uh, working with ninth graders who are creating these skits. What do you do if your ninth grader shows up at home and you smell alcohol on their breath? I mean, what, how, what do we do about that? Well, you're going to have to have the conversation. You're going to have to find out who they're hanging out with, and you're going to have to get to the bottom 
of it. And I understand that there's definitely going to have to be some sort of consequences. I mean, we've got to keep our youth safe, especially when you're starting to get into ninth grade and older and you're starting to get in the driving age. I mean, that's when things are really serious. It's very, you know, there always seems to be, um, you know, I've just noticed growing up and, and working with youth, there always is somebody that that it, during high school we lose our youth to drinking and driving or drinking or taking drugs and driving and that you know that's a very serious thing that we have to consider so you have to you have to be able to talk to your kids and that's why if you're speaking to your kids about drugs and alcohol to begin with if that moment comes where the ninth grader comes in reeking of alcohol your that conversation's already been started it's not the first time you're going to be having it yeah and of course you know going silent is is certainly not the road to travel. And of course, teens are different, you know, so the conversation might sound different in different cases, but starting the conversation and, and sometimes even admitting, you know, if your parent just doesn't know what to do, sort of admitting, hey, listen, I, I'm nervous about this, but we, we've got to talk about it. The bottom line is, and I think that you'll agree, Mel, is that we want our kids to be safe. I mean, we don't want our kids to, A, engage in risky behavior that's going to get them, you know, killed in an automobile or have their, you know, all the work they've done and to be educated, you know, down the drain. It's really about safety. Um, And so I think it's fair to convey that information to the kids. Say, hey, listen, this is the reality of that. Um, I want you to be safe. You can have that conversation that uh, your dad had with you. It's like, listen, you've, you've talked about it, but if you ever do, you need to call me up. Because that's the bottom line is you, you can't do something that's going to uh, cause you to be injured or somebody else to be injured, you to go to prison and so on. Right, and it's not just that. I mean, we're talking about, you know, drugs, you know, t- may take away your inhibitions, alcohol. You could make all kinds of bad choices that could last for a lifetime. I mean, pregnancy, STDs, all kinds of different things can be happening from, you know, making choices today that can affect you down the line. So I think, you know, that's really important. And it's not easy. Teenagers know it all. They think they know it all. (laughs) (laughs) And they can be difficult to talk to. They really can. And and I get that. And that's why at Council for Drug Free Youth, that's why we have these programs. We start our programs where we have fifth grade performers, our safety kids, and they perform for an audience of kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, Then we go on to have our show me players that present to the fourth and fifth grade students. And, of course, we've got the uplift. Then we've got our COPE programs for seventh grade, team for eighth grade, baseline for ninth grade. We recognize students of the month in high school. We have SAD groups, um, Students Against Destructive Decisions. So, I mean, we've, you've got counsel for drugs for youth pretty much from the time you start kindergarten. We're right there with you. And when we do our programs, we are asking kids, go home and talk to your parents. We're sending surveys out to the parents saying, parents, talk to your kids about the program they saw today. We're trying to start that conversation. We're giving them an open avenue and, you know, to say, here, we brought these subjects up with your child today. Go home and talk about it together. We're really trying to help instigate that conversation from kindergarten on. It, it sounds like you are part of uh, a couple of programs that are really having a great effect. And I know that there's plenty of communities throughout the country that aren't necessarily having the same success. Are you finding that you're able to expand your program? I mean, I know you're there in Missouri, but are you, are you finding opportunities to get sort of out of your, your small community? 
Yes, um, and we're not so small. We're like 40,000. Oh, did I say people, small? I mean, we're not. <laughs> yes, so, um, but we are. We're absolutely, we are branching out into all over mid-Missouri. We're in seven counties right now, reaching lo- a lot more people than just in our Cole County. Over 19,000 kids, actually. And so in a lot of the actual more rural areas, they have a really... They, they seem to have a lot of drug issues in the more rural communities. And I'm not necessarily sure, you know, that that is in all rural communities, but I know that in um, a lot of the communities that we're working with, our programs are really coming in handy and I think really helping to open up the dialogue about drugs because I think and alcohol because I think that they've really had that, have had problems. In fact, the rural areas have come to us and have asked us for help because the drug problems are so bad. Well, Mel, and you know, I mean, I think that that's rampant in rural communities throughout the country. And um, so at, at the end of our conversation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask possibly how people can get a hold of you maybe. And uh, I mean, would you be willing to, to share information with folks who really want to get a program going? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, we are. I mean, there people call us all the time. And, um, you know, our, our executive director really has just taken on so many extra counties to be able to go out and really get the message out. She's so passionate about it, and as we all are, um, but it is very important because it's not going to just justify if we got Jefferson City drug and alcohol-free, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be affected by other communities. Obviously, everybody needs to work together to handle it. And the Surgeon General has said substance use disorder is the biggest problem in our nation. So this is yeah. an actual real thing that's happening. It's not that we're just making up. I mean, gone are the days of, oh, the D.A.R.E. program, and okay, well, maybe there's somebody that does drugs that I've heard of. It, pretty much now everyone can say that they know someone or know someone who knows someone that has a drug or alcohol problem. It's a, it's a huge problem. And, you know, and one of the things that I realize about a lot of the work that's being done to support youth is that a lot of folks are working, a lot of programs, they're working in isolation. And that's why I bring it up, perhaps maybe you as a resource, is because they're sort of uh, reinventing the wheel, right? They're, they're starting from scratch. They're doing their best. But wouldn't it be smart if some of you folks out there were pulling your resources and saying, well, let's, let's not start from step A, let's start from step M, you know, or whatever. Yeah, I love the idea of connecting people that are, you know, so that they can share ideas, share resources. Yeah, I think that's absolutely crucial to the success of any organization, really. Your opinion about um, the move by states, many states, including Oregon here, are legalizing marijuana. Of course, it's supposed to be for uh, age 21 and over. And I think that a lot of states are seeing sort of a financial opportunity in doing that. And so it, it very likely could be state or nationwide before long. What would be your prediction with legalizing marijuana for adults with how that might affect youth? Is, do you think it will have any effect at all? Oh, I think it absolutely will. And we have been fighting tooth and nail here to keep the marijuana off of our ballots. Um, in fact, it just had come up at this last election, and and we got it off the ballot. No, we absolutely do not want legalization of marijuana um, in our state, nor do we want it in the you know legal nationwide. 
Do do you think though it is trickling to? Do you think it's becoming more available to our youth? I mean, despite the the, the merits or the the lack of whether it should be legal or not for adults, do you think that legalizing it makes it more accessible to our youth? Well, it absolutely does, and it absolutely makes it. What it says to our youth is, oh well, if this is okay, then it's not that bad, and it and it opens up a whole another door. For, for kids, and with these edibles that they're having, um, you know, all kinds of things like that. And it's going to, you know, what we're seeing, the kids are saying, oh, but my auntie takes it for her cancer, so <laughs> it must right. be good. So yeah, yeah. how are you going to compete with that? So we're really working to educate, um, you know, our youth, our community right now about the dangers of this. You know, my son just recently graduated from the Air Force Academy, and they went out there for his graduation, and there was, you know, a dispensary on every corner out there. Um, yeah. I don't want a dispensary on every corner in, in my community. I really don't. I think it sends a very mixed message to our youth. I see. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting question. And I, I think that probably out of states like Colorado and Washington, they're probably starting to, to uh, have statistics now to indicate what effect it is as far as the, the amount of teens that are using now that it is legal. Um, and so I, I'm sure that information is beginning to be available. And, you know, it, I think for a lot of legislators, it's, it's, there's a lot of pressure to go ahead and legalize it because it is, there's a lot, there's a lot of money to be had. And of course, budget is all, always a consideration, but we also have to consider this question of does legalizing it make it more excessive to youth, especially, uh, and that's especially a concern with the, the uh, impact it has on brain development. Well, Mel Richardson, so wonderful to talk to you. Now, tell us how, pe- how we can get a hold of you um, and find out more about the great work that you're doing. Okay, well, you can reach me at Council for Drug-Free Youth. Our website is www.jccdfy.org. Our phone number is 573-636-2411. Of course, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so you can find us under Council for Drug for Youth on those. And we hope to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. And I know, I know people are busy. Uh, you're probably super busy, but your willingness to, to be open with folks, it, it just means a lot to me, and I'm sure it means a lot to folks listening. So uh, get a hold of Mel Richardson. Uh, she is amazing. She's doing amazing work. Much appreciated. And, and Mel, uh, much appreciated that you were on our show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was quite the honor. I'm very, I was very pleased to be able to have this opportunity. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. That, of course, was a conversation I had just a little while ago with Mel Richardson out of Jefferson City, Missouri, doing amazing work over there and I was really glad that we were able to track down how to contact her and I really suggest that you do that if you are thinking about uh, this topic of alcohol prevention or tobacco prevention or how do you deal with your kids and the conversations about drugs and it sounds like Mel is very willing to share information and share resources so why work in a vacuum reach out to Mel and uh, have her give you some direction. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, if you're thinking about becoming a facilitator of the O-Shift Workshop Kit, well, it's super easy to do. You can head to oshift.com and go to the Become a Facilitator tab 
and you can get all the information there. And if you're still left with questions, you can contact me at mark at oshift.com. Also, if you think that you got what it takes to be a guest of mine on the show, email me at that same email, mark at oshift.com, and let's have a conversation. That's often how I get guests on the show. They contact me. Isn't that nice? Uh, So if you're doing great work in the world uh, and you want to share it or you're willing to share it, uh, we're a community, and sharing resources is the best way for us to help the teens that we have in this country right now in this day and this age. So please contact me, and let's have a conversation and and get you on the show. Again, thanks for listening to the show, and we will see you again very soon. All right. Bye-bye.